Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. Uh, usually Pastor Ed is on on Thursdays, but I'm filling in for him. I'm your host every Monday, and I fill in every now and then, like today, uh, when Pastor Ed is out of town. So welcome to those of you who are tuning in today, whether it's uh up and down the front range of Colorado and into southern Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to welcome all of you who are tuning in on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. So glad to have you as well tuning in today. And we also want to say hello to everybody on Truth FM in Tennessee and in parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program wherever you've tuned in today. Just a reminder that those listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. We'd still love for you to call in with your questions and your prayer requests, and then you can uh, tune in the following week. You can hear yourself on the radio uh, one week from now, but just a heads up about that. And we also want to give a hello to everybody who listens online. We know there's so many of you who tune in via the mobile app and the website, so if you don't have the Grace FM app yet, you should go into your app store and just type in Grace FM, it should come up right away, and you just download that app, and you'll be able to listen over the internet wherever you are, uh, not only in in uh, this country, but even around the world. We know that uh, there are people who tune in in other parts of the world and in other parts of the country outside of our broadcast range, which we're very excited about. We're so glad to have so many people tuning in and uh, so many people calling in with their questions. If you have a question about the Bible or something going on in your life, or if you have a prayer request, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to pray for you, so give us a call or text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line is 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. Uh, my name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Like I said, I'm your host here on Calvary Live every Monday, and then I fill in every now and then for the other guys if they're not available like today. Um, our church meets in downtown Longmont at 700 Longs Peak Avenue at the St. Vrain Memorial Building. So those of you in the Longmont area, if you are looking for a church, or maybe you're listening and you don't live in the Longmont area, but you know somebody who is, we'd love for you to come worship with us or send uh, your friends and family our way. God's doing a good thing at Whitefields, and we'd love for other people to be a, a involved and a part of it. Um, our website is whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. We'd love for you to come out this coming Sunday and worship with us. We meet at 10 a.m., and uh, we have worship, a children's ministry. We have um, a Bible study. We teach verse by verse through the books of the Bible. Currently, we're going through Romans chapter 13 this coming Sunday in our study of Romans. So we've been studying Romans. Our series is called Saving Grace, and we've been going uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter through Romans, 
This coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 13, which is something I'm particularly uh, excited about. We're going to be talking about what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven and yet live here on earth? How do we relate to society and how do we relate to culture? These are some of the, the big questions that all of us face and that all of us deal with all the time. And you know, if you look at the, his, uh, the history of how Christians have related to society and culture throughout history, it hasn't always been good. You know, there's there's kind of examples of everything you can imagine, an entire spectrum, you know, from total like disengagement with culture, where we have people who go out and, you know, totally disconnect from culture and live separate from the world. And, and when you do that, you're not, you know, you're not, um, you're not being salt and light in the world. It's basically putting your light under a basket. Now, on the other hand, you have the people who go so full bore with the culture that they embrace the culture and they live, try, try to maybe even live as a Christian in the culture, but yet they don't challenge the culture. And as Christians, that is also part of our calling is to uh, challenge the culture and to be God's transformative uh, element in the culture. And so we're going to be talking about what does that mean? To How do we live as Christians in the world and fulfill what God has called us to do and be in light of the gospel, in light of Jesus' soon coming. So we're going to be talking about that this coming Sunday as we study Romans 13, talk about how the gospel transforms our relationships with society and culture. But if you're in the Longmont area, we would love for you to join us, whether you're in Longmont or any of the surrounding communities near Longmont. Uh, go to whitefieldschurch.com. You can get directions. You can get um, information about what's going on in our church, what we're up to, and you can listen to some of our past messages. We'd love to have you join us and connect with us there, or maybe even on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on all those. So check us out, Whitefields Community Church. And you can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Uh, we have a show that airs here with our sermons cut for the radio, so you can always tune in at those times. Hopefully you're at church on a Sunday, but if you're not for whatever reason, then Always tune in 10 a.m. Sunday mornings. Let's go to our first caller, Jay, in Denver, Colorado. Hey, Jay, welcome to the program. Hey, man, how's it going? Going well. <clears throat> so uh, I had a question and a prayer request. Um, okay. start, I'll start with the question. Uh, so my buddy has been super into the whole uh, trying to figure out the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. Yeah. And... Uh, my understanding that we there's really no way to know but right. uh that there's he's saying that some people say Enoch and Elijah but then he sent a video to me about uh discovering who those two are and the video concluded that um the two witnesses were the Jewish church and the Christian church after the rapture mm. Okay. So I'm just trying to figure out uh, well, what I look, could do to talk about that. Yeah, let's look at the passage and maybe give some context for maybe some of our listeners who, who aren't totally familiar with it. Hey, if I could ask you to turn down the radio, it's just getting a little bit of feedback there. Yeah, and, uh, it's off. Okay, cool, thank you. So, uh, so Revelation chapter 11 is this passage you're talking about, and this is talking about during this great time of tribulation. And it talks about, um, here's what's happening. It says that, um, he says, I'll just start from the beginning. I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar of those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. 
And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours out from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague so often as they desire. So um, I think we can just leave it at that. That kind of gives us uh, a lot of information. Later on, it tells us that they'll be killed publicly. Their bodies will be in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom in Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. And, uh, and then so three and a half days, people from all over the world will see them. That, I think that's one of the really cool uh, parts of this passage. You know, a long time people wondered, how is it that everyone in the world is going to see these two people? Well, now with our modern technology, that's not even a question. It would be very easy for everybody in the world to see uh, two people who died and whose bodies were left in the street. So uh, to answer your question, is that a symbolic thing or is it not? Here's why I'll tell you where they're coming from. Those who say that this represents the two churches. It says the two olive trees. So this would be a reference to like what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 11. The only difference here, and why I don't think that this is speaking of that, is that there it talks about the two olive trees. It talks about one olive tree, which represents uh, the chosen people of God and those who have been cut off who are natural branches, which is some people who are descended from Israel, and those who have been grafted in, which is Gentiles who believe. So the two olive trees, I don't think that based on that, I would say that this is speaking of the Jewish and Gentile church. First of all, because I don't believe they're separate things. I believe they're the same thing. There's no division. Secondly, he talks about two lampstands. Now, again, earlier in Revelation chapter 1, he described the churches of that region who he was you know, immediately writing to and referring to, that those churches, he refers to them as lampstands. But he also refers to his presence amongst them as a lampstand. He says, I will remove your lampstand, right? So your light. So here's my take on this. I think that the two olive trees represent two actual people. I think the two lampstands represent two people who serve as witnesses for God. So I, I think it's two individuals. Now, I really don't think that we can say with any conclusive you know, nature that we know who these people are. So there's been some uh, speculation, you know, that they're Enoch and Elijah, and the other one is that they're Moses and Elijah. Now that the reason for that is because, for example, clearly the the Elijah part is the kind of consistent one, and that's because it says they have the power to shut the sky so that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, and it says they have the power to turn the waters into blood and strike the earth with every kind of plague as they desire. Now clearly that's describing the kinds of things that number one Elijah did, and number two. Moses did. Now, why do people think it's Enoch instead of Moses? That's a whole different thing where people are saying, well, Enoch and Elijah are the two people in the Bible who never died. Because right? it actually tells us that Moses died. I, I know I, I've heard people say that, well, we don't know if Moses died for sure because he just kind of walked over the hill and disappeared. But it says really clearly in Joshua chapter 1, Moses is dead. So I think we can say that Moses died. So Anyway, that's where these people are coming from. I think that rather the way we need to understand this is that this is not telling us who these people will be. This is telling us the kind of power 
that they will have. In other words, they will come in the spirit of God, the same spirit that was working in Elijah, the same spirit that was working in Moses, by which they did miraculous works. That same kind of spirit will be upon these people. And, um, and they will prophesy powerfully as great witnesses for the Lord during this time, for that period of time, 1260 days. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's what I've always understood. I listen to Grace FM all the time, and I've heard a lot about it, but he, that video is just saying something different, so I just wanted to check. So awesome. thank you for that. You bet. And then, um, so prayer request is kind of mixed. Um, I had a incident on Sunday with my health um, that I'm not really sure what happened. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack, and everyone said that it was an anxiety attack, but I'm not sure because I wasn't anxious about anything. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. Um, and so I would just like some prayer for my health to be good. And then also my sister had some uh, possible cancerous um, stuff come up that she had to have surgery for. So if we could pray sure. for her as well. Yeah, let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Jay, and we just ask, Lord, for his health, that you would watch over him, Lord, that you'd keep him healthy and strong, Lord, that you would use his life, that the days that he has left, Lord, that he would use them uh, as a witness for you and as a person who shares your love with others. Lord, I also pray for his sister and uh, and her health. sounds like she's struggling with this operation she had in the cancer. Lord, we pray for a quick recovery, and we pray for blessing for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Jay. Thanks for calling in. You too, man. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Paul in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the program. Hello. Yes. Uh, hi, Pastor. Hey, Paul. What's up? Um, I've heard people mention about the emergent church or emergent churches, and I wanted to ask you what that what that was. And the second thing is, uh, if it's an emergent church, what are the signs of such a church? I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, and I'll take my answer offline. Okay. Sounds good, Paul. All right. Thanks for calling in. God bless. All right, so Paul's question, what is the emergent church or the emerging church movement? Um, okay, so this is um, something which I think, you know, if you were to ask me on, about this, I would tend to say this is really a movement which has kind of come and gone, but not fully. So there's still some elements of it left. It was a big deal, you know, 10 to 15 years ago uh, in this, you know, area where we had there's there's a lot of elements to it and the other thing is that there's a whole spectrum of what falls under the category of emerging or emergent church movement and um i'll just give you the long and short of it so it, i'll give you the history it started really in the late 90s with a group of of young kind of up and coming well known um pastors who started to get together and started to have this discussion and they called themselves the emergent village and they had a blog site where they would all write uh, different articles on different things, usually related to culture. And that was kind of the idea was like, how can we engage and be relevant in culture? But um, 
you know, and this included even people like Mark Driscoll from Mars Hill Church, it included Rob Bell from Mars Hill, a different Mars Hill than the one in Seattle. There's Mars Hill out in Michigan. Uh, and then you had a few other guys in there. Um, Brian McLaren was part of this, if any of these names ring a bell to you, and, and several other people whose names aren't coming to mind at the moment. But I remember hearing a Mark Driscoll talk about this, and he said that, you know, he was part of the Emergent Village uh, in the beginning. And it was all great until one day at one of their meetings, you know, somebody said, hey, do we really believe in the Bible? Like, do we really believe in the virgin birth? He said it was great when they were having cultural conversations, but it seemed that the emergent village, which is separate from the movement, by the way, the emerging church or the emergent church. So it really got its name from this group, though, which was called the emergent village, which was just kind of a, a lot of young and up and coming, you know, late 20s, early 30s pastors in the in the in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s, they were starting to meet together and kind of talk about how to engage culture. But uh, soon after they started meeting, kind of their conversations went uh, from engaging culture to really like, I guess you'd call it theological liberalism. And that's really all the emergent church is. It's just a new form of theological liberalism. It was a movement towards that by... Um, some people who are very media savvy and very prominent um, had good, good, you know, media skills and voices, and a lot of people listened to them. But they were actually a very small part of the church, but they did have an inordinate amount of influence over other churches. So, you know, people like Rob Bell and um, Brian McLaren, you know, his whole idea of you know the new kind of Christian, and Rob Bell, you know, pretty much questioning everything. Uh, one of their big keywords was this idea of deconstructionism. Um, which is where you take an idea and you deconstruct it. Basically, you try to figure out how that idea developed, and then you question the idea, whether it was a good one or not. And, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that you can do that. But the thing was that these guys came away from it with something which diverged from Orthodox Biblical Christianity and and what falls under the, the, uh, the what, what falls in the realm of of true biblical Orthodox Christianity. And so they, they really took a hard turn uh, away from it. And um, yeah, so really the, the big issue with the emergent church was there's very few people who were leading this very small movement, but they had an inordinate amount of influence. So a lot of people started listening to them, reading their books. And, um, and you know, you ask, what are some of the signs of an emergent church? Really the biggest thing I gotta tell you you know, some people would say, oh, you know, they get into contemplative things. I don't really think that's the biggest issue. The biggest issue is this idea of um, subjectivity versus objectivity, meaning that, um, you know, it's it's the postmodern mentality where you say that there is no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as objective truth, right and wrong. There's only what's right for me and what's wrong for me, my truth versus the truth. Um, that's that's really the big issue. And the other big issue is that it's really just, it's nothing new. It's just old school theological liberalism, but it's done by hip young people. But by now they're not hip and young anymore because again, it was 15 to 20 years ago that we're talking about that this was really a, a kind of cutting edge and movement. I, I would say it has kind of died off but again it hasn't totally died off because there's a lot of people who were affected by um, this movement and the books that came out of it uh, you know particularly Rob Bell and Brian McLaren and I would just say 
you know, look for those things. Look for relativism. Look for theological uh, liberalism, where you basically you don't believe in the Bible anymore, and and you have have gone away from from believing the key doctrines of the faith. And you know, I I think though sometimes what happens is that it becomes a bit of a witch hunt, like where you're you're finding an emergent uh, behind every bush and behind every corner. I don't want that to happen. Here's what I would want to tell everybody listening. Don't stress over the word emergent, but rather just look for these elements. And, and if these elements are there, then let that be a red flag and then maybe have a conversation. So if you're starting to see, you know, relativism creep in or you're starting to see um, theological liberalism creep in, then have a conversation about it with the leaders of the church that you belong to and, and find out what's behind that. And then, so that would be my other thing. I would say, you know, what are some signs of that? Yeah, you know, if if the people that you are talking to are really into Rob Bell and Brian McLaren, I think that those should be some red flags for you. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks, Paul. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Joanne in Inglewood, Colorado. Hi, Joanne. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? Uh, I just uh, had a, a question on the gentleman that was talking about the two witnesses. Sure. Uh, in the in the Gospels, Jesus had said something to the effect that if the Jewish people had accepted him at that time, then uh, John the Baptist would have been in the spirit of uh, the return of Elijah. And I, I just feel that the two witnesses coming back aren't going to necessarily be named Moses or Elijah or Enoch, mm-hmm. but individuals that he just puts the spirit uh, to accomplish what it was he wants to accomplish. Well, it's actually precisely what I said, is that I don't actually think it's going to be those individuals themselves. I think it's going to be two separate people who we don't know who they are. And they are going to come back, but he is going to uh, give them the spirit of Elijah and the spirit of Moses. I don't actually see anywhere in there that would indicate that it was Enoch at all. I think the the idea of Enoch comes from the idea that Enoch never died. And so that's the concept that since he never died and Elijah never died, well, then maybe it'll be him who will come back. Um, since they never died and finally they'll get the chance to die, apparently, when they're killed in the streets. And... Um, so, yeah, I don't actually think it's going to be those two people. I mean, if I was Enoch, I'd be kind of bummed, right? Like, hey, I got to yeah. go to the presence <laughs> of the Lord without dying, and now you're sending me back? <laughs> like, yeah, right. you know, <laughs> all I know is if, if I'm in the presence <laughs> of Jesus, I uh, I really hope nobody prays for me to come back because I'm, I'll probably be really having a very nice time there, you know? <laughs> True. So, yes, I I agree with you. It's the same thing. And uh, and what you're referring to is in Matthew 11, you know, where Jesus says to the crowd, if you can accept it, he is Elijah who was to come. In other words, he wasn't. Was he Elijah reincarnated? No. But he came in the spirit of Elijah with the ministry of Elijah, with the anointing, same anointing that Elijah had in the sense of it's the anointing of God's spirit who accomplishes God's purpose through God's people. So. Right. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for the call. God bless you. Uh, bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here taking your calls 
and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Hey, one other thing I want to talk to you about. It looks like we've got some calls coming in right now. But before I get the info on those, let me tell you about a cool thing coming up. You know, I've told you before that I was involved with a group called the Expositors Collective. The Expositors Collective is a, a two-day seminar that we as a group of pastors and leaders um, are doing throughout the United States and eventually hoping to do beyond the United States. We're going to be uh, doing this. It's for young people who feel a call to uh, pulpit ministry or preaching or teaching ministry. And we want to equip you with uh, the tools to do that. Basically get some pastors together and say, hey, you know, with your you know, decade of experience and your 30 years of experience, what are the things that you've learned? How do you do this well? And what are some tips that you would give to people who want to learn how to do it well? And so it's called the Expositors Collective. We did our first gathering in, let's see, I think it was March now, March of this year. Then we did our second one in July of this year, and that was in um, Denver. It was actually at Calvary Aurora. So it was in Aurora here in Colorado. The first one was in California. And now we're doing our third one. It's going to be in Bradenton, Florida, which is just south of Tampa. So Bradenton, Florida, and it's going to be November 30th to December 1st. It's a two-day seminar. The cost is $20. It's really minimal, but um, you got to get there and uh, be there for this two-day seminar. And it's open to people men and women ages 18 to 34. So I know that a lot of our listeners are in Colorado and Wyoming, but I know there are a lot of you on the East Coast as well. And especially for those of you who are in Tennessee, you know, Florida's not all that far. So we'd love for you to be a part of this. You can get more information at expositorscollective.com. I'm going to be there and uh, another pastor, Cody King here from Colorado. And then we're going to have a bunch of pastors from all over the country coming out, uh, guys with really a lot of experience. And we would love to just pour into young people who have a desire to get into preaching and teaching ministry, both men and women, because we know there's so many ladies who are teaching in uh, important ways, whether children's ministry and women's ministry, and we'd love to pour into you. So go to expositorscollective.com. And, uh, you know, these are kind of regional events. A lot of people fly out for them. We're probably not going to do another one in Colorado for a couple of years. So um, because we've got invitations, we just booked our next one. It's going to be in April. We're going to be in San Diego, California. Then we're going to be up in uh, New Jersey next year. So um, even if you're not near Florida, just consider flying out for this. If that's something, take two days to really invest in growing as uh, growing in this gift you know think about what Paul said to Timothy stir up the gift of God that has been given to you so that's the heart of it let's go to Chris in Baltimore hi Chris welcome to the program hi. Hey, how it's going great good um, so um, I had a question that uh, came up uh, I guess last week for you um, so of course you know being a week behind it was sure. what I just heard so um, I was wondering, and it had to do with astrology. It was a question by Sherry. Um, I, I was wondering what, what your take on um, this was. Much like, I mean, I realize that, that our ways are not God's ways, um, but I was wondering, do you think it's possible, or what do you think the reason is that God doesn't want us to study or be, you know, 
um, into astrology? Do you think maybe it's kind of like the forbidden fruit that something is there, knowledge that we're not supposed to get? What do you, what do you think? Hmm, that's a good question. But Chris, I got I to gotta tell you, I took your call not realizing that I was coming right up on our mid-show break. So I'm going to uh, actually have to um, ask you to stick around through the break which starts okay. in about 30 seconds. And I'm going to have to let you hold, if you don't mind, but uh, that'll give me some a chance to think about your question. And then uh, sure. when I come back from the break, I should have a better answer. Okay. Sound good? Okay, thanks for sure, holding. Sure. Uh, the number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts. On the air today, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life or prayer requests. And we are going to our mid-show break. Give us a call and we'll get you on after the break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Before we go back to our caller, I um, just want to take the opportunity to invite you who are in the Longmont, Colorado area, or if you have friends or family in the Longmont, Colorado area, just want to invite you to come and worship with us this Sunday at the church where I pastor, which is called Whitefields Community Church. We're right in the heart of Longmont, so right in downtown Longmont, 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is um, the northwest corner, northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So we're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, which is right where the city park is and so many things, right in downtown Longmont. You can get directions, get more information uh, about our church, service times, all that good stuff. Listen to some past messages at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefields with an S, whitefieldschurch.com. We'd love to have you join us this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. But Let's go ahead and get back to Chris in Baltimore who had a question about astrology. Hey, Chris, thank you for holding. Sure. Okay, so your question was, why does God forbid astrology? And I've got a few reasons for you. Mm -hmm. So first of all, astrology is the interpretation of the assumed influence of the stars and planets over human destiny. So I think this is the number one reason why God forbids it, is because astrology is, um, is trying to say that the stars and planets exert influence over human destiny, where the the Bible says that that is not the case. The Bible says that God himself is the one who exerts authority and over human destiny, right? So through providence, through his sovereignty. And so essentially it is, it represents a different religious belief, um, not just a physical belief. Now, now there are some things that the Bible says that are very positive, by the way, about the stars. So first of all, it says that the stars are in the sky to give us um, 
to give us the knowledge of God, that we can know about God's greatness, his majesty, his power. It says the heavens are God's handiwork and that as we that they, they speak of his existence and his his some elements of his character. Uh, it says that God numbered the stars, that he named them. It also says that God arranged them into groups. And I don't know if you know this, but some of the constellations are mentioned in the book of Job and in Amos. Like, for example, um, Orion is mentioned, Ursa Major, the bear, is mentioned. Um, and it's thought that one of them is also a, the, called the Crooked Serpent, which is also called Draco. So anyway, it's it's interesting that these are mentioned. So it's not that we shouldn't know anything about the constellations. Um, in fact, it tells us that they were given to us. So in Genesis 1.14, it says the stars along with the sun, moon were given for signs and seasons. And so that means they're, they're used to take to keep track of time, first of all, and they're used even for uh, keeping track of location, right? So like when we didn't have maps and you would travel or if you're at sea and you're using mm -hmm. the stars for navigating. So there are a lot of really good purposes. But it, when it comes to this idea of trying to discern human destiny by looking at the stars, uh, the Bible would say that that is a, a false belief. And the other thing that I, I came up as I was thinking about this and looking up a few things is that astrology is consistently wrong, on the other hand. And so I think there's a sense in which God is protecting us from something and saying, hey, don't get involved with that. The other part is that it was often tied into pagan worship and belief. And so okay. um, it's it's put in the same category as divination. Well, let, let me ask you this. A lot of sure. in interesting stuff you just covered. Would you say that horoscopes are part of astrology? You know, I don't know if I know enough to say that definitively, but my immediate assumption is to say yes. Okay. Um, now, are, are you going to get in trouble with God for reading your horoscope? Um, I don't think so, but I don't think that there's any reason. It's one of these things why it's like this. Um, it's, first of all, not necessary, and secondly, potentially dangerous. So why do it? Yeah, um, what, what kind of has me wondering is, you know, when you have certain signs, someone falls under a certain sign, you're a Libra or you're a Virgo or whatever, it, it seems to be that certain traits hold true with, with that. You know, in other words, someone says, well, you know, th this particular sign is, is, is predisposed to be this way or that way. It, it seems that there are tr truth as far as that. I'm not into astrology, but I mean... You know, I sure. looked at the other of part of it is that, you know, when you get into like these people who are like uh, fortune tellers and things like that, when mm -hmm. you when you get into them and people have kind of come out and said, OK, yeah, I worked as a fortune teller and here's kind of the tricks of the trade. The, the key thing that they do a lot is that they use really, really vague things like, oh, hey, you're predisposed to being a fiery temperament. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's going to match like 90% of people on some at some time in their life, right? So I think there's an element of that in it. Um, the other thing is, you know, we know that the moon, for example, moon phases have a lot of effect over the tides. And maybe they do have effect over uh, people's personalities and things like that. But as far as having this kind of... Um, deterministic view of the placement of the stars, I think is, is, you know, from a theological perspective, because again, I'm not a scientist, I'm a theologian. From a mm -hmm. theological perspective, it goes in contrast with 
what the Bible teaches very clearly, which is that God is the sovereign over not only this world and our lives personally, but over all the universe. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, of course he's the sovereign. I, I just, again, looked at, at, you know, and understand your, your je- you know, what people do is generalize, like you're saying, fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. But, again, with the signs, it seems to, I don't know, be a little bit more specific, and it seems to hold true, you know, mm-hmm. to me. Um. Yeah. Uh, so do you, do you think, you know, kind of like on the line of what you were starting to touch on, so do you think it's it's possible that God forbids it because maybe it's like uh, similar to the Garden of Eden, that this, this is a forbidden fruit that may give us some kind of knowledge that we're not supposed to have? So I don't actually think that. I would actually say, this is, again, this is my opinion, but I guess that's why we're here, mm-hmm. is to say... Um, no, I think that God is forbidding it because of its tie into bad theology. First of all, it, it, impl- it indicates something bad theologically that's opposite of what the Bible teaches. And secondly, I actually think just the opposite of, of kind of what you're saying, which is I think that God's actually trying to prevent us from something which is, um, I mean, I don't want to sound harsh, but I want to say uh, a waste of our time or, or something that's really not even based in anything. Okay. So I know okay. that sounds harsh, and I, I apologize if I offended well, anybody. I, I'm but not, uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say I'm personally not into astrology. It's just that when when I heard that question, I just you know from last week that I'm hearing, of course now, I yeah. I just kind of thought, well, you know, why? Why is it that that it is forbidden? You know. Well, cool. Hey, I appreciate the call and great yeah. discussion. So okay, God bless you, you, Chris. Take thank care. Thank you. You have a great one. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Let's go to Lori in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Lori. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi. Thanks for holding. What's up? Well, my question is, is the thought, um, biblically, uh, or your, your edu- from your past experience, you know, when your spouse dies, they go to heaven, you know, that's mm-hmm. our, what I believe my husband is at. But, you know, if you get remarried, do you, when you go to heaven, or do you sort of find your way to your original spouse, or when you get to heaven, there's no finding spouses? They're just like just people in your lives. Yeah. So the great thing about your question is there is a really distinct answer that Jesus gave us from the scriptures. So we don't really have to guess about this one. Uh, the answer is found in Matthew 22, verse 30, and what okay. Jesus says there is that he says that in the resurrection, which is what he's referring to as heaven. So when our bodies are resurrected after that final day, there's a new heavens and a new earth, which is what we commonly call heaven. Then Jesus says, in the resurrection, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And what he means is not that we will be like angels in the sense of, you know, whatever angels do. You know, the word angel, of course, is is messenger. What he means is that angels don't get married. Because that was the question somebody asked him. They said, you know, let's imagine a hypothetical situation. If a man dies with no children and then he marries somebody else and then he marries somebody else. And, uh, you know, you get the idea. Somebody's married three, four times in their life and their spouse Uh keeps dying, and they said, well, in heaven, who will he be married to? So this is in Matthew 22, verse 23. Now, the people who asked this were the Sadducees, who, by the way, didn't believe in life after death. So they were kind of trying to mock him, make fun of him. 
But Jesus said, uh, he says, well, you're asking the wrong question. The, the whole basis of your question is flawed. Because he says, don't you know that the scriptures say that in heaven, people won't be married? Now, that brings up another thing. Will you know, will you recognize your spouse, your your uh, you know, your first spouse or your second spouse in heaven? I think the answer is that you will recognize them. And, and there are lots of other scripture passages which would lead us to believe that in heaven people are recognizable. Um, for example, when Jesus was resurrected in the resurrection body, his disciples uh, recognized him. Not at first in one case, but they did recognize him. And uh, they recognized him as Jesus. And so I think that you will recognize them. I think that there will be, you know, you will have a wonderful eternity with them. But I don't, I mean, I, I know for sure, we're not going to be married. So you won't have to worry about that. So and my, I guess my, my, and you can be, you can be honest. I'm okay. So I guess my, um, um, my question to all of that is, so like your spouse, anyone's spouse, um, that specialness that you had on heaven, um, that you had on earth, it's going to be just, it's not going to be like that on, on, in heaven. It'll be sort of like other loved ones that you have when you see them. Is that the thought? It's not going to be that special, um, um, he's not going to, you know, yeah. spouses aren't going to be any more special than a brother or a sister or mother or father or friend that you see. Yeah, I Basically. do agree with that. And I, I think that that just makes us understand that marriage is something for this life. And uh -huh. in the next life, we will have other relationships. They will be great, but they will be different. And they can be in your life, right? Oh, yes. Yes, you will. You will have relationship with all of those who are who are in heaven and and you know i i think you can look forward to that so you think that the people um or is this just like a bunch of hot air that people tell people you do think that people when they do pass and they go to heaven and you go to heaven you do see the people that were important to you on this earth i do or, believe that yes i do think so <laughs> and um so. yeah you know i would encourage you to read this book and I encourage all of our listeners I read this book I totally expected when I when I picked up this book that it was going to be cheesy that I was going to mm -hmm. be just kind of rolling my eyes a lot but I found myself mm -hmm. doing just the opposite I was like this is a great book and everybody should read it and it's mm -hmm. called uh, Heaven which is, I know it's a very clever title um, but it's, <laughs> it's called Heaven and um, I'm going to try I can't R Randy Alcorn okay so I'll say Randy. it one last Randy Alcorn, A-L-C-O-R-N. Okay. That's his last name, Randy Alcorn, and it's called Heaven. And Heaven. I absolutely okay. recommend it. It was a great book. He did just a kind of very comprehensive study on the Bible. What does the Bible say about heaven? Who will be there? What will it be like? Even gets into questions like, will there be animals in heaven? And I think it's mm -hmm. a, a great book. So I really recommend it. Okay, I will read that. And then can I ask you one more question? It's probably sort of like okay. a simple. Okay, last, last one. Do, okay, do they, do, do, is the thought that people in heaven are paying attention to people on this earth, or they're just so in heaven, it's so beautiful, they're no longer paying attention to what's going on down here? Yeah, so I know that uh, there's some disagreement amongst people on this, but here's my mm -hmm. opinion, is that I do think that people who are in heaven currently are able to see what is happening here on earth. And the reason I think that is because in Revelation, we see that these people are in heaven and they are watching what's transpiring on earth. Now, 
maybe that's just uh, you know a picture maybe it's mm -hmm. not meant to be literal but I do believe that it is meant to be literal mm -hmm. and, and here's part of the reason why and this will be kind of how I finish but is that what people need to understand is that heaven as it is now is not the same as heaven as it will be after Jesus's his return and then the day of judgment and the final event which we call the in theological terms it's called the eschaton which just yeah. means final event so um you know we read about that in the end of the book of revelation where it says that you know hades will be emptied into the lake of fire and there will come a new heavens and a new earth that's when we're going to experience the, our resurrection bodies uh and all all of these things so i i do believe that uh people who die today go into the presence of the Lord, but what they experience is not, uh, so they're there until the return of Jesus, at which time all of these things will transpire and and, and things will be different after that. Okay. So, all that to say, I think that people who die now, and I think my speculation based on how I read the Bible, particularly the book of Revelation, is that they can see what's happening here on earth. I also couple that, by the way, with Hebrews chapter 12, where it talks about being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. The picture he's painting is that it's like a stadium, and we're in the, he's painting a picture kind of the Olympics, right? Olympic stadium, people competing on the field, and the, the stands are filled with those who have gone before us in the faith. And they're watching and cheering us on. So that's why I believe that. Now I know that there are probably people who, who uh, would argue with it. I'd be happy to debate them on it, but yeah. Okay. Well, I thank you for your time, hon, and have a good night. Thank you for thank doing you. what you do. Thank you oh, for doing God bless what you, you do. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye, hon. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. We've got two open lines. You're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Anita in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Anita. Welcome to the program. Hi. So my question is, and I'll uh, listen to it over the radio, but um, my daughter was... Um, She's occasionally visiting a church where the pastor is a woman. And I explained to my daughter that maybe she should look for another church. And she had asked me why, which I've told her this in the past. And she says, I know that you keep telling me that a woman's not supposed to pastor over a church. Can they not be pastors? And I said, well, they can be a pastor, but they are to teach women and the children. And she says, well, I just can't understand. And I don't know how to explain it to her anymore, but she says she can't understand um, why. And and if the people that come to the church, she says, I mean, if the woman brings them to God, is her terms. She says, um, so you're telling me they're going to hell because they're listening to a woman preacher. Okay. So I just don't know how to break it down to her um, anymore. All right. So you wanted to listen offline or you want to stick, stick around? Yes, I'll listen offline. Okay. Sounds good. God uh -huh. bless you. All right. So Anita's question was regarding women as preachers. So first of all, Anita, I want you to know this. Um, I don't think that someone's going to go to hell for listening to a woman preacher. So I hope hope that you can tell your daughter that. Um, but here's what it comes down to. This is, and I want to make this really clear. This is not a matter of chauvinism or discrimination. It's a matter of biblical interpretation, which, which is really important because we as Christians, right, we we have to think in this way because here's the thing culture 
changes from country to country. Even within a country, there can be different cultures. And it changes over time. And we can't just follow how the pendulum swings. That's one of the things as Christians, if we want to be faithful as followers of Jesus, as people of the Word of God, then we actually have to be honest and come to the Word of God, even if it might say something which rubs us wrong, the wrong way culturally or, or doesn't fit with our, um, you know, the way that we like to think that things should be. And and here's just a little bit of a, an aside on that um, and I hope I'll be quick, but the point is that, you know, if you want to deal with the real God, then you're, you're dealing with a real being. It's different than you and distinct from you. Well, then don't be surprised. In fact, it should encourage you uh, if sometimes that God and his word say things that are different than what you think. Because think about it like this. If I were to make up my own God, um, guess what he would be like? He would have all the same uh, political opinions as me. He would have all the same, you know, opinions about everything in life that I do. Why? Because he's really just a projection of me. But see, if on the other hand, I want to believe in a God who is objectively a unique being who actually exists and isn't just a projection of my imagination or my personality or my thoughts, well, then I need to be prepared that any actual being is going to probably differ from me on some areas. And that means that there are areas where he says, where I say, well, I think it's like this. And he says, well, actually, no, it's like this. And I say, well, I don't agree. And he says, well, I didn't ask if you agree. I'm God, remember? And so I just want to make that point very clear that this is not an issue of chauvinism or discrimination. This is an issue of biblical interpretation in which we come and we have to ask the question, what does the Bible say? Not do I like what it says or does it rub me the right way or the wrong way? What does it say and how should I properly understand it? What is God saying and what should I do? Okay, so the issue uh, is this. When we get to the role of elder in a church, so the, the Bible gives the role of elder and um, deacon. Deacons are those who serve in the church and they serve in, in various areas. Okay, so... Um, you know, anybody, by the way, women are encouraged to be deacons in, in the Bible. We see that many times in the Bible. We actually see examples of it. We also see um, encouragement that, that that's possible. Um, and so we want women to serve in the church. Now, but then it comes to this idea of being an elder. So these are the people who are the overseers in the church, and they're the, also the ones tasked with teaching the church doctrine and the Bible. And so... There it says that um, it should be someone who is the husband of one wife. It also says in First Timothy that he wants men to uh, teach and have authority over other men. And so I, um, I think this is really what it gets down to. What is the Bible saying? How is it to be understood? Does it mean that women cannot teach, that they're not skilled to teach? Absolutely not. That is not the case. I just mentioned earlier that I'm involved with this group, Expositors Collective, and we encourage women to be a part of it. We did it, and we took down several women from our church here in Longmont when we did the last Expositors Collective in Aurora because we want these women to become good teachers of the Bible and to teach uh, other people, but there are certain contexts which the Bible says, okay, in this context, this is how God has designed for it to work. 
Uh, I just saw a thing on Saturday Night Live this past, uh, I guess maybe two weeks ago. It was it was really quite quite a clever uh, you know skit. And so it was a I I didn't catch the whole context of it, but it, it was something along the lines of there's like a movie producer and he's being interviewed on a stage and they're asking people in the audience to come and ask him questions. And this one woman from the audience comes forth and says, um, Yeah, I have a question. Can you tell me why the father was played by a man? And uh, the producer says. Um, well, because he was the father. And they're like, yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. And the point is that we live in this culture where it's almost seen as there's this hypersensitivity to distinguishing between different roles which God has put in place as if that is somehow hateful or if it's somehow intolerant. And that's not at all what it's, what, what you know, First Timothy chapter 3 is telling us and Titus uh, where it's telling us about the different roles and who can fill those roles in the church, in the body of Christ. It, it's not a matter of, of chauvinism or anything like that. What it is is a matter of order in the church and God's design. And so um, I, I would just encourage your daughter with those words. On the other hand, I don't think anybody's going to go to hell for um, for listening to a woman preacher by any means. So I know that there are very many skilled women preacher preachers out there, and I thank God for them. So... I hope that answers your question. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Let's go to Brooke on line one. Hi, Brooke. Hello. How are you? Good. What's up? Good. Yeah, just a follow-up on that astrology question. Um, I heard uh, it was on this radio station, a pastor, I don't know which one, um, speak about a man who wrote a book about uh, us, the stars being aligned, all the constellations being aligned in a way that tell the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know of this man or this book? And uh, I have, uh, I've definitely heard of this theory, you know, that the, that the different constellations tell the gospel story. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I guess I, I, it falls into the same category of what I mentioned earlier. Number one, uh, that was not the role of the stars according to the Bible where it tells us what the stars are for. It tells us for navigation, for knowing the times and the seasons, and for showing us the glory of God. Secondly, um, I think that you know when, when it gets into these, like, these like, hidden uh, things, I think you're, we're generally missing it because God has made his word very clear to us. Now, one, one person might argue and say, well, God put those things there for pagan cultures so that they would look at those things and they would connect the dots and then they would understand the gospel and they would put their faith in Jesus. Well, maybe maybe that is God's plan. I don't know, but I just feel like, especially for Christians today, first of all, the Bible says explicitly, don't have anything to do with this astrology and it puts it in the same... Now, it's, of course, different than astronomy. So astrology, uh, putting it in the same category as divination. And again, like I told the earlier caller, it really gets into a matter of theology. And, and regarding your question, too, I think it does get into a matter of theology. I mean, it's saying that um, that God has placed this message in there that we can discover if we try really hard, or maybe some people will connect the dots. Maybe. I guess that could be seen as a form of, um, I guess we call that common grace. I mean, God gives grace uh, apart from his word to people through nature, you know, so they can look at nature and know who he is. But that, to me, seems like what we would call special revelation. 
and it, he's putting it out there in the stars where it seems to me that God's special revelation has always come through his spirit working through people uh, and through his word. So I hope that answers your question. I guess I see it as number one, unnecessary, and number two, potentially hazardous because of what the Bible says about avoiding astrology and divination. Okay, thanks. Yeah, God bless you. Thanks for your question. You're listening to Calvary Live. We have come into our last two minutes. We have one text message that I wanted to get to in our last two minutes. Here's the question. Why does God choose marriage to compare to Christ's return? Marriage seems tough. Even Paul says it's better to be single. Why choose marriage to parallel the two? Here's what I tell you. I don't believe that marriage is primarily a picture of the return of Christ. That's part of the marriage picture that's in the Bible. Rather, what marriage reflects or compares to our relationship with God or God's relationship with his people is rather love, sacrificial love, faithfulness, submission and order. We know that's a part of it, submission and order. And the faithful love, sacrificial love, these are the parts that reflect that. And, and when we get to the point of Jesus' return, you know, there's a really interesting parallel with the Jewish marital traditions where oftentimes the the husband they would get betrothed which is kind of like engagement but more serious than we take engagement in our culture and then he would go away and he would prepare a place for them to live and then when he was done he would return and he would take his bride off for the wedding ceremony now that is a picture of what we look forward to we have um you know, and of course, it's not a perfect picture. That's the thing about any analogy or picture. It's never going to be 100% perfect. These are earthly things that we're using to try to understand spiritual heavenly things. But in, in many ways, that's a, a very vivid picture of what Jesus said. He said, I am going away to prepare a place for you. And when it's done, I will come back for you. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 14. And so we look forward to that. Um, thank you for your question. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. And uh, it's been a pleasure taking your calls and texts on the air today. God bless you. Have a great evening. Tune into Calvary Live every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Good night. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.